Hello again, I'm Trip Rogers, and this is Trip's Take. For those of us who grew up in the late 60s, early 1970s, those were heady days if you grew up in the tri-state area. Madison Square Garden was rocking with the Knicks and the Rangers. They were both very successful teams. The Knicks making the NBA Finals three of four years in a row, winning two NBA titles, and the Rangers making the Stanley Cup final and giving us some great, great times to cheer in the early 1970s. But I want to talk about the Knicks because Willis Reed passed away at the age of 80. Now, if you were a basketball fan in 1970, you know the story about Willis Reed. Game 7, Madison Square Garden. He dragged himself onto the floor, scored the first two baskets, and then the New York Knickerbockers ran away with the championship, winning the NBA title over the Los Angeles Lakers in seven games. And again, setting the stage for a great four-year run. In 71, there was nobody coming near the Milwaukee Bucks. In 72, the Knicks made it to the final, but they took on an L.A. Laker team that had set a record for wins that year. So they weren't coming close. But in 73, rematch against the Lakers, and the Knicks won the NBA title for a second time in three in four years. And unfortunately, that was the last NBA title the New York Knicks have won. Although they did make it to the NBA Finals in 1994, a memorable Game 7 in which John Starks couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. And in 1999, they made the NBA Finals, although that was a strike year. And, you know, some people forget about that. But the Knicks basketball fortunes have been awful as of late. Willis Reed is a throwback to that time. And now, unfortunately, two of the starting five from that team have passed away. Dave DeBusher, of course, was the other one. And he was my guy. I, I, I love Dave DeBusher. Dave DeBusher, I would readily admit, was my favorite Nick. Uh, he played, we're, we're number 22. And DeBusher, of course, passing away many years ago. Uh, it, it's just a shame. Red Holtzman, of course, put together a team. And as one of my buddies said, this team preached defense. That's what Red Holtzman was all about. And this New York Nick team, oh, Man, it's so sad. Willis Reed has now passed away. And ironically, uh, just after the Knicks recently celebrated the 50th anniversary of their 1973 championship, their final world championship or final NBA championship. And, you know, there are some who wonder if the Knicks will ever win another championship. Although people are pointing that, Things are headed in the right direction at Madison Square Garden. But like I said, growing up in the... And, and the other part, I have to kind of, you know, date myself here. But back then, Nick games were not available locally. They were not available. Cable TV was in its infancy. In fact, Nick games were only shown in New York in this Manhattan cable uh, hookup. And you couldn't get home games. So our connection to the Knicks was Marv Albert, because you'd listen to the game on radio, especially I lived in a suburban uh, Essex County uh, in New Jersey. So I'd listen to the Nick home games, and that was great. And there were Nick games that were on tape delay, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dave DeBusher wrote a book, a diary of that season, 
and I I doubt it is in is in print now. But if you can find a copy in the um, in the library, it is one of my favorite books as a, as a kid. I, I got it, I think, uh, for Christmas. I have the paperback. I know it's in a box somewhere, but it is what a great book. And he talked about uh, that. But that was there was a different. It was a different day and time. And we talk about Marv Albert, and I mentioned the fact when Marv retired, that was a link to my childhood. Because you listen to Marv Albert do the games because you couldn't see him. You know, it's not like today where just about every game is televised in one way, shape, or form. Back then, radio was the way that you got your sports, be it baseball, football, basketball. They had blackouts of the home games. So you had to listen to the radio, and that's why, you know, the, the Giants radio broadcast, the Jets radio broadcast, I mean, that was your way to connect with the team. In fact, I was telling, uh, I was talking at work, and I always remember I got to watch the Jets championship game in 1968 because my father took me down the shore, and we were able to get the TV antenna pointing to Philadelphia and watching it out of Philadelphia because the game was blacked out in New York. A championship game blacked out in New York. Now, the Super Bowl was not blacked out, and we got to watch that when the Jets won, of course. But that's the thing that 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 people tend to forget is the era of the NFL blackout. And one of the reasons why the NFL lifted their blackout rule was because of the New York football giants. And, and this is a famous story. Giants games were broadcast in New Haven, Connecticut, and into uh, Hartford, and you could watch the games there, the Giant games, of course, at the Yankee Stadium. Well, when they decided to refurbish Yankee Stadium, the Giants had to find some place to play. And for the first two seasons, they played in the Yale Bowl. But part of the deal with the NFL was they would not black out the games in the Yale Bowl. And this is back when the Giants really were not that good. And the NFL found out that the Giants still sold a lot of their seats and maybe this blackout rule could be lifted. So in 1975, the Jets started sharing Shea Stadium with the Giants. And one of the things they did was they allowed the blackout to be lifted on a couple of games. And one of the games I remember watching in 75 was the Jets-Giants game. And that was when the NFL moved away from the blackout rule. Now the policy is the game has to be sold out within 72 hours. And if it's not, then the game is blacked out locally. But still, you know, and it's very rare that an NFL game is not blacked out. Although there are some markets where if the team really stinks, I mean, they struggle to have every game on. But this is this is just one of the and, and another one of the archaic NFL rules, by the way, I want to share this one, too. In 1973, O.J. Simpson was going for the record. And O.J. Simpson was going for the, the NFL rushing record. He's trying to get 2,000 yards. Game was played at Shea Stadium in New York. Game was blacked out in New York. No, they didn't see it. The game was televised nationally, except for New York. New York did not get that game because it was played at Shea Stadium. And again, another instance where I, one of the things that was great about where I lived in West Cole was I was high up on a hill. And if I really... You know, I, I got lucky sometimes with reception and I was able to watch 
the Philadelphia stations so I could watch that. And I remember watching the O.J. Simpson game and, and watching him get to uh, 2,000 yards. And it was, it was a big thing because O.J. Simpson at the time was the, you know, the biggest thing on wheels, of course. Well, different story these days. <laughs> I want to uh, also touch on a couple other stories that have kind of broken over the past week. Uh, first of all, did you hear Tyra Banks is leaving Dancing with the Stars? Well, in my mind, that show started going down to twos when they got rid of Tom Bergeron. Tom Bergeron was Dancing with the Stars. And they basically, she has left the show. It's now on Disney+. Plus. I haven't watched Dancing with the Stars in years. And I think one of the reasons is because it just got to be a bit. Some of the celebrities they had were just, just god awful. So, you know, we'll see what happens. They brought back Julianne Huff, uh, who will be on the show. And her brother Derek is now one of the judges, too. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happened. They've had the retirement of some of the dancers and some of the dancers have come out publicly and said the show really changed when Tom Bergeron was let go as host. So let's see what happens with dancing with the stars. Again, it is slated to be on Disney plus again next year. Speaking of television, we're now in that little lull or that little dip before all the shows start to gear up for their final stretch run to the end of the season. Of course, the may sweeps. And I think it's a constant question. Okay, do we have something to watch? No, it's not. Yeah, we got no, we don't got this. No, they're off. They're taking a week, blah, 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 blah. And again, it's a lot better than it was because the pandemic, you had shows on differing schedules and stuff like that. But, you know, get ready for the final run into May and, of course, sweeps and all the shows will be wrapping up. And uh, that's, that's always a good thing to watch for. And that's going to do it for Trip's Take. For the 23rd of March, 2023. Love to hear your comments and questions about my podcast. Just email tripstake at gmail.com. I mentioned last week that I would be appearing on Phil's tracks, talking about the, the album Pet Sounds. That is available on Spotify, and it should be posted over the course of the next couple of days. You'll get a chance to see me. We did a video podcast, too. And we talk about uh, the great Beach Boys album, Pet Sounds. Again, that's Phil's track, available exclusively on Spotify. If you like the music of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, listen to WTRS Radio, powered by Live365.com online. Join us again next week for another edition of Trip Steak. For now, I am Trip Rogers. Thanks for listening. Make it a great one.